1: As the Orange hold off the defending national champions, they
2: beat Clemson. The Bills make me wanna shout! McCoy in the backfield, takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle! He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone! Buffalo wins! Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by
1: 20. Gotta look at the positive side of things once in a while
0: instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. What's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you along for the ride. As always, you can listen on the ESPN app, download that thing, hit the Listen tab, find ESPN Syracuse, and away you go. We are going with you. You're moving, you're grooving, you got stuff to do. But we want to come with you. Can I come, please? That's what the app is for, on your phone, your iPad, or whatever smart device you got in your park in your pocket. Make it smarter by bringing us along with you. Here's how you get in touch with the program today. 437-7644. You can hit us on Twitter, where the show never stops. Brent Axe Media. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. And the on-the-block text line is 288 You got your face in your phone. You might as well fire off a hot take, right? That's hot. you doing so much on that phone. You're listening on the app. You can text the show. You can uh, Subscribe to ESPN Syracuse on iTunes or Google Play and get a podcast of this show and all of our programs sent to you so you can listen on demand. Come on, man, we got you covered right there. Staring at that thing in line at the coffee shop anyway. You might as well make yourself productive while doing it. We have one guest joining us today. Always a pleasure to catch up with the one and only Andrew Filippone, 93.7 The Fan, in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is not a very good basketball team, as we will discuss So, is Kevin Stallings on borrowed time there? What kind of team, despite their poor record and the fact that they have lost all five ACC games by double digits, what kind of team will be in the Carrier Dome tonight? Plus, there's a lot happening in Pittsburgh with the Steelers losing to the Jaguars. The Pittsburgh Pirates are basically, you know, shipping off anybody of value. They're going back into what the, the Pittsburgh Pirates were. For a long time, so I'm sure Pony will have takes. He always wants to get in something about Syracuse football, so we'll have a lot to discuss with our friend Andrew Filippone, 93.7 The Fan, coming up later on this hour. A little tease for tomorrow's show. Uh, Michael deCourcy terrific college basketball writer, will join us, and Syracuse Athletic Director John Wildhack will be on the program tomorrow. And, of course, Jim Beheim will join us on Thursday for his weekly chat here on the block. So a lot happening, and... We'd love to hear from you, too. Hot takes on the way. If you did not see Inside the NBA last night, I just laughed thinking about it, with Shaq and Charles Barkley reacting to uh, some shenanigans going down between the Rockets and the Clippers. You won't want to miss that in hot takes. But we do start with a little basketball game tonight at the Carrier Dome. 9 o'clock starts on a Tuesday. (laughs) I got a big old wham in uh, the office here beforehand. And, you know, listen, we're not digging ditches here. We're covering basketball games. Trust me, I do not lose sight of that, and uh, I would uh, much rather do that than a lot of other things and feel privileged to do it. But, whoa, baby, get the coffee brewing at halftime because it's a late one for the Orange tonight. 9 o'clock start against Pittsburgh. And, look, we said it. Pittsburgh is not very good. Pittsburgh is pretty bad. They're 8-9. and nine They are 0-5 in ACC play. They have lost all five of those ACC games by double digits. And, look, they lost one of their best players recently. As if things couldn't go any worse for Pitt, Ryan Luther gets hurt recently. He was one of four players in the ACC averaging a double-double. And Notre Dame lost Bonzi Colson in the same sense. Luther was their best inside scorer. He was their best rebounder. He was one of the reasons... You would even stop and, and watch Pitt on a random college basketball night, and they lost him. You know, Jim Beheim brought it up the other night about how young his team is at this point.
1: we got three front-line three front guys, our three key players that have never played college basketball. Basketball children never played. Didn't play at Providence, sat out a year, played parts of 11 games, didn't even play in some games last year. It's his first year playing. He's getting better. Matt Moyer did not play last year. O'Shea did not play last year. We, we're the only team in the league, other than maybe Duke, they have a little different kind of guys, who are playing three guys that are first-year players. And the two guy, three guys that come off our bench are freshmen. So it, it, this league was always going to be hard. They held up early extremely well. We pulled out three or four games early that were we were in worse shape than in this game, and we won. But in this league you're not it's hard and these freshmen are learning they'll get better
0: so those freshmen and those inexperienced players can really take a step forward tonight and get familiar with something that they have lost touch with they haven't won a basketball game in this calendar year they have not won a basketball game since defeating Virginia Tech at the Carrier Dome to start ACC play so it's time for Syracuse to get a win And certainly you need to get a win against this team. This is one of those don't screw it up kind of games. It's an odd start. It's a team that they will not be as motivated to play as you would uh, some of the teams that have been on the schedule recently. This is a Syracuse team that plays hard every night and they'll give it everything they have. And you know, Beheim said it on Saturday after the press conference. It's not like we're going to play any harder come Tuesday than we did tonight. This team does play hard every night, but you know, look, they're human. It's a little different when you're playing teams that have a little number next to their name that's in a ranking or as a top three team in the country or you're in a hostile environment. Tonight, it's going to be a pretty stale environment. I'd love for you to prove me wrong there, but weeknight, 9 o'clock start. By about 22, 23,000 people there, Syracuse fans being Syracuse fans, not going to be... The craziest crowd in the world. The students are back, so maybe they'll put a little life into the building. And again, prove me wrong there. Circle back tomorrow and say how wrong I was. So Syracuse has to be kind of a self-motivator, but their best motivation right now, they need to win. They need to win a basketball game and know what that feels like again. So that'll carry the day. You know, when coaches always say, it's not about them, it's about us. Well, you can say that about this game, but you can't forget about Them, You can't just walk out there and say, well, this will be the win. There's been plenty of times when Syracuse has come out number one in the country at one point and lost to Boston College, better teams that just get clipped by teams. If you're not paying attention and if you're not playing the way you can and if you're not properly motivated and you're not proper, you don't have your head in the game and over a long two-month grind of ACC play, it can happen. Syracuse is coming off a very emotional loss to Florida State on Saturday, a game in which they played their absolute guts out, as they always do, but you know, you can kind of take it to the nth degree when you go to double overtime. And they lost. Tyus Battle had a great game. Others kind of woke up. Howard Washington's getting more time. So it's all how you harness that and bring it into tonight. This is just a game. I can't put it any simpler than this. Don't screw it up, because on the surface, Syracuse should beat this team. Now, I played that clip from Beheim about how young his team is. Pittsburgh can give Syracuse a run for their money. They have three freshmen that they play prominently. They have two transfers that play prominently. Syracuse has used the same starting lineup all year long. Pittsburgh has not used the same starting lineup all year long. They have used 13 different lineups. No Pittsburgh player on the roster has started every game. They are in a constant state of flux. I, bl- I brought up the Luther injury, which has affected how they've played. They are not only not very good right now, let's just go through the ACC play. Miami, 67-53. Louisville, 77-51. Virginia Tech, 81-67. Duke, 87-52. Georgia Tech, 69 to 54 in that Georgia Tech game now we're you know picking stats here and picking stats there but it is worth noting that Syracuse is 12 and three when they out rebound opponents this year they out rebound a team they usually win Pitt against Georgia Tech got out rebounded by 20. So you're trying to find a way because, you know, coaches hate this stuff because they don't want their teams to have an overinflated ego against anybody. You've got to take every opponent seriously. You've got to respect who's out there. The minute you don't is the minute you get tripped up. But I'm trying to find something about Pittsburgh that makes me say, look out for those guys. I mean, Marcus Carr can shoot the three, and I would imagine Pitt is going to try and emulate what other teams have done and shoot some threes. They just don't have the amount of shooters that a Florida State or some other teams do. We mentioned, you know, their main inside threat is gone due to injury. This is just one of those games where if you line up and play the way you should play, and you can't, you know, cop and you can't carve and copy what you think against Florida State because I mean, who expects Tyus Battle is going to drop 37 again, even against a bad team. But if Syracuse plays defense the way they have all year, if they rebound the way that they have in wins, if they can get some sort of offense going, you're certainly not going to score 90 points like you did in a double overtime game. But if you can run that three-guard lineup a little bit, if O'Shea Brissett makes a few more shots at the basket and continues to get to the free-throw line the way that he has, Frank Howard can hit a few threes. If you can find some matchups and exploit them, you will win this game and you will probably join a group For entertainment purposes only, Syracuse is favored to win this game by double digits. But that is why you play the game. Sports is weird. Weird, you know, I don't want to jinx anything or anything of that. note. but, you know, well, Seth said it first, so I'm following in in his coattails. So if this, by some weird reason, happens, then the Daniel Baldwin show can rip Seth again for being the mush. But it's, it's worth bringing up. A Jim Boeheim coach basketball team has never lost five straight games. Think about that. Never. Not only do you get pit tonight, you get pit again after Boston College. Two of your next three games are against this really bad team. And it comes at the right time. Now, the trick with this is, pit comes at a time when Syracuse needs a win, needs to get back on track, and matchup-wise, should win this game. The problem is if you lose this or the other because that's a bad loss, right? That's losing to a team in ACC play that's got losing record and hadn't, you know, you don't want to be the first team that Pitt beats in ACC play. They're going to win somewhere though. I mean, I know Boston College went 0 for 18 a couple of years ago, but we all know how rare that is. So this is just one of those kick the can down the road and let somebody else worry about it kind of games. Although, again, you're going to play Pittsburgh again next week. Bing, bang, boom. So it all adds up to just win a game. Know what that feeling is like. Don't screw it up against a team that you should beat. Open things up a little bit against a team that is inexperienced, that is trying to find its way, that's got a coach that's, I would imagine, we'll talk to Andrew Filipponi about this here in a few minutes, on the hot seat and, just don't be that team. Don't be that guy. Gutter, don't wear the shirt of the band you're going to see. and Do be the team that loses to Pittsburgh. Don't be that guy. We will break on that note. Continue the Pittsburgh discussion next. Our good friend Andrew Filippone, 93-7, the fan, Syracuse grad. So I'm sure we will have a couple of orange thoughts on his mind. But not only will we talk a little pit, basketball, what to expect tonight, a lot of things happening in that city right now with the Steelers, the Pirates are just dumping every player that means anything. Garrett Cole's gone. Andrew McCutcheon is gone. So we'll get a little Pittsburgh sports flavor from uh, Pony as well. You will join us coming up. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Don't go anywhere. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Presented by Berna Toyota back at you here. Let's get into this. We got takes. We got hot takes. Yeah. Seth and I were just discussing this during the break, and I was planning on, on doing this. As its own segment later, the NBA right now is wild. It, it is wild. Not only what is happening on the court, but the drama off it. and it's not just the rockets and clippers and everything that happened there last night. that is that is just scratching the surface. We will get into a little bit of that in hot takes, but we'll devote an entire segment to it later more on Syracuse and Pittsburgh, of course, as we continue. But right now, hit me with that fancy open
2: got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot. And yes! <laughs> Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured
0: McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for Hot Takes on the Block. Sometimes in hot takes, we just listen, right? Sometimes you just, you gotta listen. know, the best interviewers out there, the best broadcasters, sometimes they they just listen. So let us listen to Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley on Inside the NBA last night when they found out that there was a police presence and the Rockets and Clippers and people were trying to get in each other's locker rooms and the wild stories that are coming out of what was a very tense game last night between those two. So let let us just listen.
2: Played in the NBA for 16 years. And I've been on the TV for 18 years. It's the first time I've heard police presence. They got wait, wait. They got a police presence? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, wait, come on, man. Numerous social media reports that that LAPD was called. LAPD was called. <laughs> See these two, man. Come on, man. Know why they laughing? Come on, man. Yeah. Because they they. They would. Oh, 30, man. 30. Come on, <laughs> the issue oh, man. Come no, on, man. Y'all they would, it, man. They would relish. Come on. For a guy to come in the locker room <laughs> after hey, them. Hey, Chuck. So, <laughs> hey, Chuck. I don't oh, know police. I don't know why. Hello, police. Chris Paul <laughs> trying to beat me up. <laughs> this is Hey, this is Blake Griffin. Chris Paul trying to get in the locker room. Get down here and save me. Wait. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's, it's juvenile, but you, you can't help but laugh at it. And you watch the video, these guys have lost it. By the way, if you listen to that, it almost sounds like a college dorm room at 1 o'clock in the morning on a Friday. And let's say, you know, a big cloud of smoke comes out of the room if you open the door. I <laughs> called the cops. Can you believe it? Man? You ever looked at a dollar bill, man? There's some really funky stuff going on a dollar bill, man. That's a whole different topic for a different day, right? But that's just it Here you have Shaq and Chuck Who are like What are you talking about Police presence And going in the locker room I heard Reggie Miller today On the Dan Patrick show Now this is old guy talking And you know Take it for what it's worth But See back in the day You left it all on the court You didn't need to go At each other's lockers And carry it out afterwards and Because they took care of it on the court You threw an elbow at somebody You went down the lane Got a hard foul It's just and Chris Paul and Blake Griffin were really going at it last night. But to see the reaction from Shaq and Chuck, I mean, that's why Inside the NBA is the best studio ever. But it's just those two laughing. And EJ, God bless the man, trying to be the adult in the room, trying to bring it back. Kenny Smith's just kind of throwing up his hands, like, what do I do? You know, it's just like when uh, the kids get a, a bit of the giggles. You ever, you know, I've gone through this a lot recently. My daughter is eleven so she either goes to or has sleepovers and if you put four eleven-year-olds in a room inevitably Everything becomes funny, and they just giggle at everything. You're just like, this is not that funny. I
2: certainly <laughs> doubt that it was Flipper <laughs> players who were requesting any Somebody had to call the police. Uh, two guys who would relish guys coming in their locker room. Come on, man. Uh, no, man. Laughing at the fact Jack, that Chris Paul is president. coming to get, <laughs> <the> police <laughs> to get Blake police. Anyway. Oh, By the way, uh, Trevor Ariza's birthday. <laughs> I'm sorry, America. June 30th.
0: There you go. Charles ladies and gentlemen, fantastic! The NBA, it's fan That's hot. And if you don't remember that commercial, you're probably somebody like Seth. Uh, staying in the NBA for a moment here. So Carmelo Anthony says he's done with NBA officiating. Now, last night, Russell Westbrook is an assist away from his 15th triple-double of the season. He got ejected. He's hit with two quick technicals, 250 going, 250 remaining, in the Oklahoma City-Sacramento game, right? So this is what Carmelo said in response. Quote, I'm done with them. I'm done with the refs. No disrespect. And he meant that, like, to the media. Like, I'm not blowing off your question here, but I'm done with these guys. And then he said this. And, again, this is like one of those back-in-my-day-it-was-better kind of things. And Melo's been around long enough that he can be that guy. But he's not wrong here. And he said, quote, The game has changed a lot since I came in 15 years ago. This is 2003, magical season. The players and the officials had that dialogue, whether it was good or whether it was bad. There was always a point where they would let you get a little steam off, then they would come to you and say, that's enough, let's move on. And now the trigger is too quick. You look at somebody wrong, you get a technical. You say the wrong thing, you get a technical. So I think that's the difference from when I came in the league the dialogue and the communication and the relationship the players and the officials had when I first came in and from now is a lot different. I mean, that's 2003, 15 years ago. It's not Chuck's day. It's not Reggie Miller's day. It's not even Shaq's day. It's 15 years ago. And he's right. Now, the refs take a lot of crap from players and coaches. Billy Donovan got a quick technical last night. This is a pattern now. Chris Paul who is the head of the Players Association, openly ripping refs. I saw a bunch of fines got thrown around today for players ripping, officiating Draymond Green. Now, look, Draymond Green is Draymond Green. He's not exactly an authority on the subject in terms of who should speak up on these things, but he is an authority on you know getting thrown out of games and getting into confrontations with officials. He says it's to the point where it's it could ruin the sport. Well, who's right here? Is it the players being babies and not getting the treatment that the guys I mentioned and many more used to get in the respect they used to get? Or do they have a point? Because we see it in college basketball. I'm watching college basketball last night, flipping around, watching a bunch of games and three or four times. Inevitably, I have no dog in the race. So it's an awful call. Football. After every football weekend, thankfully not this one, but most of them, we say, "What? what are you doing? And it's because we have social media, and I can rewind my DVR five times and watch that play and have the benefit of technology that the refs don't always have, but they'll have that in the back of their mind. Well, if I miss this, they're just going to replay it anyway, right? But that respect is gone. And in a way, that's good because you don't want officials to ha- curry favor to certain players. You want to treat everybody equally, right? We all know that doesn't happen. vector have been in the league. They get in guys' ears, and that's just the way it goes here. But for Carmelo and a lot of these players, just kind of throw up things like, I'm done with these guys. And openly saying, we need new refs in this league. Draymond Green was saying that the other day. It's gotten to the point where Adam Silver has, has proposed kind of like a sit-down. Like, <laughs> we're going to get the heads of the five families together during the All-Star week to figure this out. It's gotten that bad, and That's hot. frankly, I don't blame the players. And I'm on the player side here. These refs are just making calls. You know, what were they we saying about, and this is college basketball, but Teddy TV and his whole thing, he's turning his back on players. And I'm going to retire because of the social media backlash. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Is the public holding you accountable for a job that you do in public? Can I get a wah for that? Because it didn't used to happen that way. They just showed up, did their job, and left. They heard it in the arena. And back in the day of Jim Burr and Tim Higgins, you certainly heard it in the arena, but then you left and it was gone. But now it continues. The conversation is 24-7 on Sports Talk Radio, on ESPN, on social media, and they can't take it. Now, the problem with this is it's generational. It will get passed down, and you're gonna and people are going to say of a new generation, well, why am I going to deal with Why would I want to be an official? So the quality of officiating, it'll be a slow bleed, but slowly, but surely will get worse because people will say, I don't want to deal with that. I was talking to somebody about this the other day on a similar, but different note about coaching youth sports. We're both passionate people about sports. Both people that have been asked to coach at certain levels. And we both said we'd be nuts to do it because the parents are over the top. And Go to, like, a high school football game, or these are NBA referees we're talking about here, but go to, like, an eighth-grade basketball game and hear how parents in the stands talk to the officials. Why? There is no, like, the 50 bucks a game or whatever you make to do that, I don't even know what it is. Just It's just not worth it, let alone being an That's NBA official at the highest level, and they make bank. Think about that. You're an NBA official. You're traveling all over the country. You're getting paid to you know, show up and, and officiate a game, and you're in Chicago one night, New York the next, and Dallas. and That's a pretty sweet gig if you just put your head down and stay out of the limelight because you're doing your job. But it's the names that we know, the Dick Bavettas of the world and the names throughout the years. If you know an official's name, that's the problem, right? It starts right there. It's incredible. So that's something to watch here because tensions are a- boiling over. In the NBA, we'll discuss a little bit more on the NBA front later in the show because there's more happening here. I have uh, brought this up in hot takes a number of times, and I always like to circle back when there's a development on this. So the NCAA is going to meet regarding immediate eligibility for transfers. Okay, so just to circle back, big point here. I've always had a real problem with the fact that a coach can walk out of a school and have no repercussions for it. Yeah, there's buyouts and all that stuff, but... If coach A wants to go to school B, he can walk out the door and do it so long as his contract allows him to. But if you need want to transfer and you're a air quotes student athlete, you've got to sit out a year. And you know, Jim Beheim has brought this up. Other coaches have brought it up. And basically, you know, their if I had to summarize their opinion in in one take, it would be there'd be chaos. There'd be too many players out there looking to transfer. Now The point of these upcoming discussions would be that if a student athlete, air quotes, earns a certain GPA, he or she would be eligible to transfer immediately without sitting out a year. The expected GPA for a student athlete to earn immediate eligibility as a transfer under this proposed discussion would be either a 2.7 or a 2.8. Two other separate sources said in the story that if the rule is passed, it would go into effect this year, August 1st, so setting up this upcoming fall season. Another topic of discussion that will be voted on at these meetings will be guaranteeing a scholarship for the length of the graduate program as it relates to graduate transfers. Most grad programs are two years, meaning that if a program wanted to add a grad transfer, it would then have to guarantee the scholarship for two seasons. One opinion here, Missouri Valley coach Barry Hinson Southern Illinois believes that NCAA Division I basketball would split into two divisions if the proposed rule is enacted. During a a conference call with reporters, he challenged the media to report this issue, believing mid- and low-major basketball programs would be devastated by the rule because major programs would be even more likely to, quote, poach better players from mid-majors if athletes didn't have to sit out a year after transferring. So there's a good counterpoint to why we can't just have people going where they want to go, when they want to go, particularly when you're getting into grad transfers, okay? It's one thing if an 18-year-old kid arrives on campus and he's like, I don't like it here. I want to go somewhere else. By the time you're 22, 23, you've been around for a few years, there's still some people who don't know what they want to do, but you've got a better sense of it. So where's the medium ground here? Well, according to the NCAA, it's if you are actually a student athlete. If your GPA is at a certain level, you can do this. And I think that might be a fair compromise. It would actually put teeth behind the term student athlete. And On that note, we'll break. More on the student athletes playing Syracuse Pitt tonight. Coming up, stay right there.
2: Thank you. Bye-bye.